0: Welcome to the business sphere on this podcast we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today Welcome to the show Yvonne, thank you for Stop. spending this time I know you're busy I know you're traveling you're exploring the world you're in Mexico right now but the first question I want to ask you so what's the
1: biggest crowd you've ever spoken in front of the biggest crowd I ever spoken in front of okay john my friend okay <laughs> I'll get what do you what do you give me a number and I'll tell you how close you are okay give me a number I'll tell you how 5, close 5000 up 20000 up 100000 Oh, that one day. So, you know, John, you had me in because of the public speaking, right? And you like to talk to people about their journeys and whatever. So one of the things that I always wanted to do is um, you can't just talk. You got to be able to back it up. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. Dude, I think back to high school and, you know, when you would take these or university and these people would teach you public speaking and you'd sit there just bored out of your mind. And it's like and it was like, oh, my God, these people are brutal. But that's the, that was it. Right. So I always wanted to be the kind of guy that, um, you know, talk shit, but make hits. You can bleep that out afterward. I wanted to be the kind of guy that like could back up everything he says and can demonstrate. So when I'm not uh, teaching public speaking, I'm an MC and you'll see me on the camera for all of you guys listening. I it's, I'm, I'm holding up a fist. Like I'm like, I'm holding a mic because w- when I'm not like teaching public speaking and stuff like that, I'm literally a hype man. I'm a hype man. I'm an MC. I'm an announcer. And I recently just got back in November. Do you, do you like soccer? Uh, not football? Football. football. Don't get mad. Don't get mad, listeners. I, I'm into basketball. Okay. Lie to me and say you like soccer.
0: I like soccer.
1: Okay, good. Because I just got back from being an MC for the FIFA Arab Cup in okay. Doha. Okay. And they built like five stadiums with like a forty to 50,000 person capacity. Wow. And that's what I, that's where I was in November. I was literally like, so imagine like, you want to talk about high stress moments. It's like 45,000 people. And it's like, uh, kill two minutes. You got two minutes, go do something interesting. And it's like, and it's just me. It's just me in a microphone. That's all it is. And I'm on the jumbotron. You know what I mean? So it's impromptu
0: and they didn't give you any kind of
1: topics or any information for you to So here's the thing, because in the event, like sometimes something like something happens on the field and everything stops and Uh, they play like a little video. But they're like and then it happens again. They can't play that same video game. So they're like, "Um, Yvonne, we're going to throw to you in about 12 seconds. okay? let's do something with the crowd. And it's and I'm just like, "Uh, uh, okay, all of you come here. Put your hands up. No, just put your hands up. Put your hands up like this and go left, right. Ready? Ready And it's like literally there's someone in front of me with a camera going. And people are like, like, what? I'm like,
0: just just follow me. Everybody get out.
1: And it's like the sweat dude, like the sweat
0: it's <laughs> That's everywhere. amazing, though. yeah, because I, I see that. So I go to Raptors games all the time. Oh, do you? and i I see the MCs, and they have it so well, I guess, done up because they've been doing it for years right practicing and they kind of know where to go in each crowd section what to say and how to do it but if you've never done it before I can imagine how stressful it is right on such a big stage um but it's it's so much fun like I, it, it I can your, tell dude, that it
1: beats, a, it beats a normal job right <laughs> and, and it's more about like
0: what are you good at and what do you enjoy it seems like you found your passion and so you know if you don't mind the second question I wanted to ask you is, how sure. did you meet Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh,
1: okay. So before I was ever, um, you know, we're Canadian. So for all the international audience, okay? Don't let the accents fool you. We're Canadian. I went to University of Montreal, right? And this is, if anyone is in university, I, you got a lot of uh, probably up and coming people listening to this. Here's one of the the best kind of like life hacks I learned in university. And that is, As a as a job in university, don't work in a restaurant. Don't do any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you can, right? But who cares? Instead, become an extra in background films, Mm. because chances are it's going to be like a twelve hour day where you're only working for one or two hours. So I would show up to these background gigs. And in Montreal, the reason I did this wasn't because I was smart. It's because my French wasn't good enough and I couldn't get a job. So I was basically like, "What job could I get? Oh, just walking down the street, like." in movies? Yeah, I can do that. So I was in this film called The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio and he was literally standing right behind me for like 3 days. Cuz they're just filming this one scene from all these angles for 3 days. So after a while, you know, just out of politeness, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Hey, good morning. All right, see you tomorrow. How was lunch? Like just polite conversation. Um but here's but for anyone listening, listen. If you live in a major city, find the background actor's place, right? Get that job schedule your university so that your classes are like you have a couple of days free during the week and then you tell that that background casting say hey i'm available every like thursday and four, thursday and friday boom i would show up and they feed you that's the other thing they feed you <laughs> so you get food you have lots of time to study i would show up my textbook and i'd sit in the corner and study you get food and then you meet all kinds of random people you talk about like ways to expand your network formal networking events are always awkward um events where there's just a lot of people by diffusion you have to meet people because you might be put with like four people and like you guys just pretend you're having dinner go and then we'll leave you alone and we'll just sit there like so how are you know where are you all from that kind of stuff that's so interesting. you get fed you get lots of time to study and you get to meet people and you get paid that's interesting I actually have a really good friend that's
0: still doing kind of background. Oh, acting. really? And I mean, he has a full-time job. Yes. In Toronto. And now he's on a couple Netflix, uh, you know, series. Right. And I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. He's like,
1: isn't it so much friend, fun when you right? meet someone, you freak out a little bit. You're like, Oh my God. Oh. Every oh, yeah. now and then. Okay. So between us, John, um, I have this whole other life and between us and your entire listening audience. <laughs> I actually have this whole other life as a professional actor. Oh, nice. And um, if you, there's certain shows that I have constantly, uh, I filmed them like three, four years ago, you know, but I'll get friends who watch Black Widow, not Black Widow, uh, Black Orchid or Designated Survivor, these shows. And I have these parts in these shows and they're like, is that you? And I get these little kind of things. That's awesome. Are you a, are you an Xbox guy or Uh, are you a,
0: no i don't play video games but uh i'm more netflix i watch amazon you know i but i read a lot i consume a lot of content that way
1: so the reason i ask is i i, I recently if you ever if for anyone who's playing far cry 6 and you're listening to this see if you recognize my voice that's all i'm <laughs> gonna say okay that's all i'm gonna say john <laughs> that's awesome Ivan. so let's get back to the, sure, the
0: let's story get to the right let's let's find out a little bit about how you became such an expert in public speaking. Like what got you really into wanting to help others speak better yeah. on camera, on stage, because that's your profession today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And jo- so John, I'll tell you something, man. Uh, I worked like you, you've had a lot of jobs, right? I've had a lot of jobs. I worked in finance and I hated it. Uh, I worked in pharmaceutical sales and I, I didn't like that at all. You know what I mean? I worked in HR. I did bookkeeping. I worked in a non-for-profit, you know, and every time I did these jobs, I I was not good at any of them, (laughs) but for some, you know, when you get, for anyone who's listening, when you get hired by a new company, there's always like an orient, like a week of orientation where you go to the head office and, you know, they kind of, you know, they, they, they train you about the, the company for some reason. And every time I did those things, I was just always the guy who was good at talking. Before I ever went to university, I got a job with the Ministry of Attorney General. I used to travel around the province and teach, uh, do interactive workshops on racism and violence. I was like 19. So by the time I got to university, I was really good at at presenting because I not because I was good at it, because I'd been doing it for two years before I went to university. Then I was in case competitions. You know, if you go to business school, you have to present in every single class. And so I was like naturally good at that. So by the time I started getting all these jobs, I was just comfortable in front of people. You know what I mean? I still got nervous all the time. Like you, you'll always get nervous. <laughs> Yo, hey, listen in person. Stop doing the dishes for a minute. Hey, stop. Hey, you're always going to be nervous. And anyone who tells you different means well, but they're lying to you. It's not about being, not being nervous. I get nervous to this day. In front of, you don't think I was nervous of 40,000 people? The secret is practicing so that nerves do not affect delivery. And I'll give you an example of that later. But anyway, dude, so then basically what happened was I just said, like, I, 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 I wanted to pursue an acting career. And I also thought that because I'm good at public speaking, maybe I can do something with that. So I did Toastmasters and I'm like, I got the highest, like, I'm um, distinguished Toastmaster. I went to Dale Carnegie, you know, how to win friends and influence people. And I became a Dale Carnegie certified trainer in high impact presentations. But honestly, it's all dogmatic. It's all the same self-help, like touchy-feely kind of stuff because, um, listen, the biggest problem with teaching communication skills is that most people have only two backgrounds. They only do two things. One, oh, I was in sales for 20 years, therefore I'm good at public speaking. Well, no, you're not. You're, you did sales for 20 years. That's not public speaking. If you're so good at public speaking, why don't you have a talk show? Get up on an open mic night. Show me what you can do. Here's a mic. Kill two minutes in front of 40,000 people. No, they can't do that. They just did sales, and they did these little sales presentations. The other part, and this is the other track. Everyone tries to teach you to be a motivational speaker. And it's this. I'm sorry if I keep. I'm not, can, can I swear on this thing? I'm sorry. It's just a reaction. Sometimes. I won't swear. Don't worry. I apologize. Or get the little sound and cut me Edit me. The other thing is they all teach you to be these motivational speakers, and that does not apply to the day-to-day. So it, I was so frustrated. Like, I take these Dale Carnegie training or Toastmasters, and they, they, it's like everyone always had to cry, telling you about some, some sort of childhood trauma. Or some, and I was like, what does this have to do with my quarterly sales report? How is speaking with passion part of my five-minute scrum in the morning? Like, the, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, there was this huge disconnect, dude. And John, you right now, listening audience, right now, who are the best public speakers in the world? Go think about it, John. You answer, go
0: public speakers. I think the best public uh, speakers in the world, people that are on TV, right? I mean, you mean examples, yes, I mean, some of them talk show hosts. I mean, Tony Robbins is pretty good. Um, you know, Gary Vee is pretty good. Those guys sure, that are just right. impromptu and they mm-hmm. yeah. actually are, you know, people that I kind of look up to because they have done it through just practice and constant, you know, in the trenches. Right. Um, that's how I, I feel about everything really in business, yeah. in public speaking, in podcasting and, you know, in anything, right. it's all about like practice. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are. Yes, Yes. you're going to get stressed. Yes, there's nerves involved. But what happens is you overcome that because you've done so many at different moments throughout your life that you're able to be able to pivot and be nimble enough to get through it. Just
1: pile through, right? Like everything is all about just practice habits. Let me me highlight something for you because I agree. I agree with you. The practice element is, a, is the one part, and that's what's missing. Because most people who train, like, storytelling, they just have a bunch of anecdotes, yeah. but no tactics. You know, you just really got to find that thing that will allow you to connect with your audience. And you're like, yeah, dude, how? Well, just really try and focus on something specific. Well, I thought I was. How? Like, no one shows you. Everyone gives you ideas, no tactics. But notice something. Okay. Talk show host? Yeah. Notice how many motivational speakers you mentioned. Can we put, take Tony Robbins and say, you got five minutes and I want you to highlight the, the key sales figures. Go. He can't. The guy, the guy has to talk for three hours. If you've ever seen that, he just, he's so verbose. On the other hand, take, take, this, take, that guy, take the other guy who's a talk show host. Yeah. Do you think he could do, do you think, hey, listen, I work for an international logistics company. I just have to do an update on ISO standards that's public speaking, isn't it? So there, but here, so the the practice, notice all the practice is like that. You need the diversity of practice. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge your audience a little bit. You are, most people would say like politicians, you know, when I say who's a good public speaker, they say like Obama and you're like, dude, you've never invited your friends over for beer, pizza, and an Obama speech. You've never done it. Most people say like, oh, Martin Luther King. No, I guarantee you. 90% of people have never listened to the full 25-minute speech. And MLK Day was just a few days ago. Most people just said, no, I have a drink. So that's not it. You're right. Stand-up comedians, late-night talk show hosts. What about buskers? How they make you stop on the street, take off your earphones, and listen to them? What about professional wrestlers? Right? And then you take those guys and you mix it in with your I did 20 years in sales. I was in marketing. And you and here's the thing, most of us only practice one of those two ways, the entertainment motivational speaker way or I was in marketing, the businessy way. Who does both? Ah. Now you're thinking, so for the listening audience, you know One of the elements you have to do is you have to learn like the way John was saying, and John had like like a delicious moment of the practice is important, but you have to practice diversity in communication because there's no right way. Do you know what I'm saying? The way Tony Robbins speaks um, is just the way Tony Robbins speaks. And remember he's speaking to crowds that are paying to see him. So he doesn't have to buy, he doesn't, there's no obstacles to overcome. Same with Gary V. Right. They were just like, they're already speaking to people who are like, I tied my shoes today. And people are like, ooh, let me write that down. That's so thought-provoking, right? You also got to check out these other guys like, who, uh, like a busker makes a hundred strangers in a few minutes his best friend or her best friend. How? What did they do? How does a professional poker player know that someone's bluffing or nervous? Isn't that communication? What if you mix that in with how professional wrestlers get a crowd hyped? So these are ideas that, um, that I explore that no one else is talking about. And then can you make that into an actual tactic? You can practice the way you practice, uh, skiing, the way you practice mountain climbing. We were talking about mountain climbing before, right? Like, a, cause listen, it's not about grabbing a thing, right? Usually it's the way you grab it. And people think it's about your arm, but really it's about putting your hips against something and using your legs. But can you, that's physical practice. Can you turn? Can you add that physical practice into soft skills? That's what I'm on a mission to do, dude. That's awesome. Anyway, that was, a, that was a whole tangent. That was a whole tangent. And that, the moral of the story is that you should all listen to John because he's saying brilliant shit. Stop. No, Sorry. because, Ivan,
0: the, the big practice. thing is different perspectives, right? And you're going to Toastmasters because you're in a professional setting and yep. you need to do those sales meetings and you're doing all these presentations. And therefore, they really want to focus on who their clientele are asking them to achieve success for, right? To harness that skill set in front of a corporate environment the self-help kind of people that are going to the Tony Robbins. I mean, it's a little bit different because they want to just show that emotional tie, right? So it all is based on who you're trying to make an impact to. And the the delivery is completely different. The way you want to teach public speaking is completely different for the different types of personas and avatars that you want to reach out to. So I get you diversity is important. However, yeah. People are in a one space agenda most of the time. And usually it's corporate yeah, great place, right? And that's what pays the bills most of the time. And with if you don't have those soft skills on how you build relationships, like you don't know how to speak in front of friends or colleagues or communities and neighbors, and then you get up and try to speak in front of others, like it's going to be difficult, right? Yeah. So I, I'm all about, you know, just getting to know people. So I'm very open. I'm an extrovert like no other. I kind of try to just build friendships no matter what. And that allows me to be open to a lot of public speaking, a lot of just having fun. And I I cherish these moments like this because it's like, this is what I'm here for, right? To make a difference in other people's lives by small difference, right? It doesn't matter what it is, but having fun making sure that people enjoy my presence and hopefully taking one tidbit, whatever
1: it is, uh, to move along with their lives. Right. Um, But like public speaking, let me jump in with something actually, because I really like what you're saying, John. And here's something, here's a really interesting idea. Cause you know, when you talk about you have your podcast and you're trying to get people to get that nice snippet, right. You're trying to give people something they can learn from. What I really love about what you're doing is you're giving it in a specific way. Because here's, here's what I'm telling you. Have you ever heard of the concept of infotainment? No. No? Okay. So infotainment is when I was in, in for the emceeing for FIFA, the department I worked at was called infotainment. And here's the underlining reasoning. In a day and age, John, where all information is readily available, the way we deliver that information is going to be more and more important. Yep. So you know what I'm saying? You have all those books behind you that you read. Right. And there's a, there's other podcast people that are going to talk about those books, but the way you're delivering it is what's going to set you apart that delivery. And you said, you know, people have to work on that delivery, that practice in front of people. And I so agree with that hundred percent. Remember everyone infotainment. If all the information is there and I can access it like one on the slide deck afterward or on my own in 30 seconds, why should I listen to you? Because you're giving it to me in a really fun or interesting way. And John, I love that you brought up fun because why can't presenting be fun? Like in a business meeting, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm doing, if I'm presenting like quarterly results, have you ever noticed it's like a funeral? Hello, everyone. Today, I'd like to discuss some of the quarterly results that we've had today. Um, we believe I'm very excited that uh, we will be moving forward on the initiative, um, moving and expanding. Our... See, no one's listening, right? Everyone's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Could you imagine if, if John was doing it and he had like the way you're, you're moving your hands and that fun, the smile, and then maybe you throw in a joke once in a while, then people would actually remember the numbers. It's that infotainment. And I think that's what you're doing well, my friend. And you it's got that- attention, right? Like people have so much going on
0: from social to everything from news to whatever, how they consume content. How do you gain their attention? Let it be smaller snippets because people's attention span is smaller, shorter. They skim to headlines, whatever it is, short little clips. But the whole thing is how do you keep them engaged enough to absorb content in a way that they will actually gain something out of it and that's a challenge that we have in today's society and world because with real-time data at the disposal people's attention span is so short than ever before they don't have these habits of training and wanting to do things the hard way they want things given to them at a you know very fast rate and they don't want to pay for any of it they want everything to be there for them at their disposal because it's real-time Uber-like, right? That real-time, that's everything is at an instant because I don't want to cook. When I can just, a couple clicks comes to me, yes, it's a little fee, but that's the cost of
1: it. Oh, hold on, my Uber Eats is here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing it's up. It's true,
0: right, Yvonne? Like sure. people changed in terms of how they consume information, data, as well as they live, living their lives, transform with technology. Last five years, things have changed. And with public speaking, I'm sure how your audience is engaged is completely different. Like maybe you do shout outs, Instagram, tar- take out your phone, everyone, which is completely different than 10 years ago because yeah. no one took out their phones. Make sure you're posting on TikTok and Instagram because that's what people are all about today.
1: You know what? I love what you're saying. And let me post two things. Let me just give the audience a couple of little things that, based on what you said, that I really like. Number one, you are so right. Because if you think about it, and even with like when I was taking all this training and doing, you know, different, trying to learn from all the, the professional speakers, we're doing the exact same thing we did in the 70s. In the six in the 80s the 90s the only difference between a powerpoint deck now and in 1994 when it whatever it came out is the font and the background it's still the exact same formats the only there's no difference between the way people presented in like 1994 and the way they're presenting now title slide My name is so-and-so. Today I want to talk to you about this. What's on the slide behind you? My name is so-and-so. Today I want to talk about this, which is why none of us pay attention to that part. Agenda. Let me read the agenda or say it's not important. Why is it there then? And so you have to change. And one of the things I always asked, I highlight when when you think about like professional speakers and stuff like that. I mean, we have to change our definition of what good speaking is. Because who am I that, you know, does a workshop for 30 people, right? Where you have like Mr. Beast on YouTube who, who people will spend 40 minutes watching him just talk. Religious or, ways. yeah, or Marquise Brownlee. Like, think about, listen, you want to talk about long form? I know there's tension spans with Instagram, but the long form communication medium that should be the standard by which we judge ourselves is YouTube. In my humble opinion, because you will have, if you follow someone, you, I will watch Marquise Brownlee talk about technology for his full 40 minute video. I might be like this and listening, but he'll get me for, I'll watch, I like watching those long videos on YouTube. Isn't he a really good communicator? Isn't he a good public speaker? And think about it like this, John, how many people are in your room with you right now? Myself. You're you, I'm alone. You probably got people in the other, but listen, who is better? Who is better at speaking and being interesting and engaging, talking, to a laptop alone in their living room than YouTube celebrities. Think about that. So why aren't we copying what they're doing? Why yeah. are we trying to copy some guy who's like 80 years old, who's trying to sell you a, a multi-level marketing scheme? <laughs> well, it's,
0: uh, right? it's, it's the influencer base, right? So I, I get it. People have to put in their time. They got to earn it. And then they got to understand who their audience is. Mm -hmm. right? If you have a couple million, like Mr. Beast, 90 million followers, who is the demographics that is following him, right? And yes, he excites those people that constantly watch those videos, right? Mm -hmm. So it all depends on who your audience is and who you want to attract. And the hardest audience people want to attract are people that can pay them, right? So the challenge is how do you attract people that are willing to pay for your products and services enough of a bigger audience like YouTube. I've been working on YouTube for the last year. I have a YouTube channel. I've been working on it, harvesting my crafts and it's a lot of work, but I started it a year ago, just like podcasting. I started four years ago Mm -hmm. and I feel I'm getting the hang of it because I've been practicing every single day for many years. Just like anything, if you really are true to wanting to get better, you got to put in the time and effort to train, learn, make ex- mistakes, and get better. But a lot of yeah. people want to fast track it without do- putting in the work. And that's where the society we have today is a little bit different than what it used to be, what it once was. There's no easy way to earn a million followers. you got to earn it the hard way. you got to work on it.
1: Right. Well, you know, and let me add another because you're right about the hard work element and you're right. Because one of the things I always challenge is like. Do you like do you like cooking, John? You like cooking? No, I do not. No, I like eating. I love. Food. You like eating? OK, well, I'll tell you something, man. I love watching cooking shows like I'm a big cooking. And one I love. Um, here's one of the things that was, I thought was one of the most profound things that I learned from a cooking show. And it's another public speaking thing. And it has to do with what you're saying about your YouTube channel and your podcast and how, like who doesn't have a podcast nowadays? You know what I'm saying? Like, Everybody's got a podcast now. And there are, so many of them are terrible or they're forgettable, even worse, right? I'm watching like who's gonna be the next celebrity chef kind of competition, right? Uh, yeah. And the one thing that just kept coming up over and over and over, they're like, listen, you can cook, great. So can everyone else on this show. So can a million other people in this world. What is the point of view that about cooking that you bring that is going to make you interesting to listen to? What is the point of view that you have that not everyone else has? What is the delivery that you have? And for, you know, I always like to listen. I listen to a lot of um, leadership podcasts and One of the things that, they and I've been on a few that, uh, and I hope this isn't going to be one of them, where I'm pretty sure they're never going to air the episode (laughs) because I always challenge them. And I always ask, and I ask this question, it's like, do you think you're bringing something new to the table? And they're like, yes. And they're, and and it's always the same answer. What? Well, you know, I'm really trying to have a conversation. Really? (laughs) Then how come you have that formalized introduction? Really? Then why are you reading questions to me? Really, then why are you asking me these like cookie cutter job interview? And they're all, and, and every single time it's like these awkward silences. And I'm like, you're never gonna have me on your show again, and I'm sorry. But listen, if you wanna make an impact, if you wanna have a change, yes, it's you have your niche, your audience, but you don't necessarily have to niche. Gary Vee is really popular because he has a very unique point of view. And if you say, well, that's his audience, But if your audience is like 50 million people, I think it's pretty safe to say you have a broad audience. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if your audience is international, you have a broad audience. And so it's that aspect that I think you're alluding to that hard work. And then also trying to have that unique perspective and point of view, because if I can listen, I can find out how to start a business in a thousand podcasts. John's podcast is the one I'm listening to because he gives it to me in this unique way, this fun way that I can consume. Uh, I listened to the Motley Fool. Do you listen to the Motley Fool? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Motley Fool? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So before the Motley Fool, there was all these podcasts that I just like, I'd have to like, (sighs) I have to listen to this because it's good for me. I'm eating kale. I'm just eating kale, but the delivering the point of view on the Motley Fool made it like having a smoothie and I don't even taste the kale you know what i
0: mean yeah. and it's interesting because you get consumed and just like everyone else they have their you know things that pique their interest they have commonalities they have uniqueness sure. they have personality they have something that really attracts them A to your the audience right and then it makes them sticky and whatever that may be and hopefully you're as genuine as possible because you don't want to keep faking it. Right. So you got to own up to whatever that is and stick with it. And that's how I've been doing it. Just do it my way. If people like it, great. If they don't like it, great. Right. I'm not going to attract everyone. I just do it because I love what I'm doing and I'm passionate doing it. I bring on guests that I think are great additions to who my audience is Is looking for consuming information, right? So for me, adding value to their lives is what I'm trying to aim towards. And you bringing a different dimension on how public speaking can help business owners excel. You know, understand like, if you don't know how to sell like that whole basic revenue, sales, profit, like it's going to be challenging for you to continue profiting and staying in business, right? Like you got to learn that art of presentation,
1: pitching, negotiation, sales, you know, you need know um, Let me give you a, let me, just because we've been talking ideas. And I, I mentioned to you earlier, John, um, there's more than enough people who give you ideas. Very few people translate them into physical tactics you can practice. So let me, just because you said those things right now, let me give you some physical things that everyone can practice right now. Number one, When you are presenting online, and this is something, it's not me, it's something I copied from like the best on YouTube, the people that you can watch, like their whole playlist, right? There is one thing that we can replicate when we're on Zoom or Teams, and that is you need to jump back and forth between your camera and your slides. So don't just share a PowerPoint deck with you in the top corner as a little square. Go 70% you talking 30% 30% your slides, because every time you change the visual on someone, they go like this. What am, I, what, what, what am I looking at right now? So for example, John, if you push, if you push this on YouTube, every time we make a reference to like, if you do this and this will be the reveal, if you don't just cut it out. <laughs> but if you edit this YouTube video, that every time we bring up anything from mountain climbing uh, to the food network, and you popped up the picture, every single person in the answer would have gone, why did that change? What changed? And there's a moment of re-engagement. Uh, every time you change the visual on someone, whether it's slides, whether it's you, it's a moment of re-engagement. And you need that virtually because virtually you don't have to be polite. Like it, it, there's not a single person here who hasn't been on a Zoom call, but also had their email open. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how many, ta- I always say, how many tabs you got open right now? You know what I mean? I have like six tabs open. I'm trying, I'm not looking at any, but they're there and they're, they're like there. You know, show me your phone, John, where's your phone?
0: The pocket turned off. It was buzzing. It's right there.
1: And then this is mine right here. It's like right there, right? It's always there. And so that's what you're fighting against. So change the visual by jumping back and forth between you and your slides. Here's a second easy tactic. Okay. Understand. And this is why I referenced earlier. People who are in sales for 20 years, call themselves experts. All they give you is anecdotes. Well, you know, this one time I won this award and therefore I'm awesome. And that's, all, that's where they get all their validity from. Do you know what I mean? Why does that work? If you look at the science, go on PubMed everyone and look at decision-making. Uh, there's another great book called uh, The Organized Mind by uh, John Levitin, who's a neuroscientist at McGill University. When you, when you ask people to make choices, right? Or when you ask people to um, decide between options, The front of the brain opens up like the neocortex, the newest part of our brain, lights up for half a second. And then it lights up back here in the hippocampus, hypothalamus area, which is the older kind of emotion centers. Any good pitch has to appeal to both. How do you do that? Have your specific anecdote and follow it up by one number. Let me give you a really good day to day example. John, listening audience, listeners, how many of you uh, want to get in better shape? <laughs> John, are you a workout guy? Yes, I am. You ever heard of P90X? Yes, I do. You know, if you've ever Insanity, watched
0: P90X. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Insanity, baby. I'm a, I'm a grad. I'm a... So listen, if you've ever watched those shows, even though you've done it, watch that infomercial today and see if you're like, you know what? I should buy that again. Wait, no, I have it. I don't need to buy. Like, it's so motivating. What do they do? They do that one, two, they say in 90 days, six pack abs. And what is it? It's like this, yo, listen, I did it. Now I clean shirts with my washboard abs and it says not typical results. And you know, this is not typical results but they give you a number that 90 days to anchor on and an anecdote and and that's what gets you. So any good pitch needs to have an anecdote at the beginning and then uh, a solid number that you repeat throughout your pitch. So those are two quick tactics: one on presenting, and one on communicating that people can practice. And the way you practice is like this. Because John, we talked about practice, right? And let me give you this one last topic. So I asked you about Xbox. If you like Xbox, and I said uh, I voice some things on Fire Crime. It is one of the most. You want to talk about high? More stressful. It's more stressful than being in a graph of forty thousand people for me. Is you're in a sound booth. And this is going to be great for the listeners. Watch the YouTube video, listeners. You want to watch, follow John on YouTube right now. Stop listening and go on YouTube right now because I'm going to demo something. This is what doing voices and voice commercials, voice acting, which I do, it looks like. You say something and this is what you see. In a, you can't hear it. All you can do is see it. We need you to do that again. Do you know how stressful that is? And, you're, and in your head, you're like, I'm a failure. They hate me. They're going to fire me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fraud. Like, it's so stressful. So how do you practice? Because you're always going to be stressed. Remember I said earlier, you will always be stressed. There is no such thing as overcoming nervousness. Nervousness is a physiological reaction to stress. There's, and there's no such thing as not feeling stress. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just the silliest thing in the world, but here's what you do. You have to practice always with the stress of being watched by other people. You have to first get nervous and then try and practice your speech. How do you do that? Let me give you three ways. Number one, you go up to like your friend, significant other. You call your friend on YouTube and say, hey, listen, can I I practice this in front of you? And if you've ever, anyone listening, John, you've done this too? They're like, sure. And you go like this. Okay, hold on, hold on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. And you have to, you need that minute. You know what I mean? That's the stress of being, do that five times in front of the same person. Boom, done, stops bothering you. Suppose you're alone. You're a lonely person listening to a podcast while you're walking down the street alone. You have no one to practice in front of. What do you do then? You can practice in front of you. Don't, mirror doesn't do it. Sitting alone in your room doesn't do it. You can turn on your camera, but here's the rule. Once you push record, you cannot stop it. And watch yourself, push record and blank because you're watching yourself. Suppose you have no, you're alone. And you live in a cave and you have no electricity. Yvonne, I can't record myself. And I have no one to practice in front of What do you do then? This is what I did to practice for the, for the voice work. You walk, you go outside and you practice out loud where people can see you. Even if no one is around. John, I try this. Try, if you're ever going to do a presentation, try this. I swear to you, it'll be the, you will never feel more self-conscious in your whole life walk around the block. Even if no one is there, you'll be like, you won't even be able to do it. But keep doing it and and start doing your speech out loud. You see someone walk by, you'll panic, you'll forget what you're going to say. Good, because you're replicating what you'll feel in the real world. And then when you actually have to do it, it won't be new. So you'll feel the nervousness, but it won't affect delivery. When I was practicing to do this, this voice work, Far Cry 6 is the game, by the way, if anyone's playing Far Cry 6. Believe me, John, believe me when I'm telling you I'm walking down Bloor, downtown Toronto, saying my lines out loud. And it's not like, hey, how are you? It's like, I'm going to kill all you mofos. Everyone get the grenades. It's like it's like it's an action game. And I'm saying these things out loud like a crazy person. I'm not yelling them, but I'm like, I was like, who's in there? I swear to God, if you don't come out of here, I'm going to start shooting. I'm just saying this walking down the street. And this, the self-consciousness I'm feeling is I'm, so, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a moron. They all think I'm crazy. But then I'm in the room and I'm watching people go like this. And I'm feeling that same stress, but I can still think through it because I've now acclimatized myself to the stress. It's like I built a callus to it. Anyone listening who's been in the army knows this exact same thing. They, they replicate high stress situations. And then they'll tell you to like, um, uh, put, put, take apart your weapon and re-put it together under high stress and you so that you get used to it and it doesn't affect delivery. There bunch of tactics for people.
0: Yvonne, those are amazing. I mean, I, I do want to stress a couple of things that you mentioned, which yeah. is, you know, YouTube, make sure that you do have different frames, right? And we've been Change doing that yeah, for the last frame. six months. Like uh, we have a local SEO search kind of YouTube channel that was launched. And as much as I talk, there's always these images, things that pop up and all that. And that allows for, you know, change. Right. And we've I I hired experts to do all this. Right. Like this is what they do for a living. So I expect them to do it properly. Um, And then, you know, if you think about all the stuff that you talked about in terms of public speaking, like get uncomfortable. I would not emphasize getting in front of a lot of people if you're going to talk about like shootings and grenades and don't go on an airplane saying you have all that stuff because you may get banned for life. Yes. I would say if it doesn't harm others, you need to start practicing it. Get out there. Practice the stress of
1: being watched. Practice the stress of being
0: watched. But if the words don't, you know, attract good attention and you might, you know, police may come or whatever. Like I would, tell the audience members not to do stuff like that, just because, you know, you may get in trouble. Um, but I would say always try to be uncomfortable. And this is why I do Wim Hof. Like I I shower in cold water for a couple minutes a day. I go up for walks in the morning at 6.00 AM when no one, everyone else is sleeping at minus 30 degrees, right? You got to always challenge yourself to stress different parts of your body. Food wise, business wise, public speaking wise, whatever relationship wise, you got a challenge to be a better human. And without these stressors in life, you're going to be too comfortable. And that's what's going on in the world today. Like everyone's so used to certain things, they want things given to them. They don't want to earn it and work at it. They want, you know, YouTube to constantly play videos that. are are videos that they've already watched previously, right? While, you know, what are you going to do with that video? Are you going to do something, take action? A lot of people aren't, right? They're just constantly staying, watching videos. And that's what YouTube loves. They want to keep you engaged, watching more and more videos. This is where tech has got played with your psychological mind, right? And same with social posts, same with a lot of media. I stay away from a lot of that because I know what's behind it, and why they're doing certain things. Um, I'm very old school, like I love reading versus audio. I know a lot of people listen, podcasts, watch YouTube videos. But for me, I still like sitting in front of my, you know, sofa and reading with a physical, no distractions. And when I'm done my coffee, I, I could go for a walk, right? It's like, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. right so Yvonne what, what you've been up to like I know you're in Mexico you to- told me that you don't really have a fixed address right now you used to live in Toronto you're originally from yep. Canada like what is going on in the foreseeable future for
1: you, you and your career your business
0: like in life really
1: uh well uh, you know th- I've transitioned completely to a virtual kind of training because by virtue luckily but funny enough I have a course at University of Toronto and that I recorded in 2018, 2019 called communication strategies for a virtual age. And then in 2020, everything went virtual and that course kind of blew up. And so I was almost um, not because I was um, any sort of prescience. I had just developed all these virtual communication tactics. So over the last two years, I've just been teaching, teaching how to teach and communicate virtually. Amazing. Using like, a, bun- like using a bunch of like simple tactics, like strategies for chat, strategies for video, benchmarking, like I said, all the people who I think do it very well. And that's kind of like what's going on for the future. I've been, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been trying to leverage that more and more because you talk about people starting a business. Um, I have a bunch of courses on Udemy and I, on, on virtual communication, on public speaking and virtual communication. And I wrote, uh, I just finished writing a book and I'm writing a new one.
0: Oh, nice!
1: So my book is awesome. called "End boring, a tactical approach to public speaking. And that's like, because that's like my whole thing, physical tactics you can practice. And the response has been great. Um, hopefully you can share a link so everyone can go to it. Check it out "End boring on Amazon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I'll, I'll share all the show notes, like send yeah, me yeah, for all sure. your information so I can share it for sure. Yep. Yeah.
1: If anyone wants to find me, it's public speaking lab. And just a little note, I call it the public speaking lab because whenever I'm doing any training where it's live or even in my virtual courses, because it's tactics, you're always experimenting. So, for example, I don't say, here's how you have to do an opening. I say, here's a formula for doing an opening. Everyone make your own versions. Let's see what happens. Let's experiment. And that's how I do my training. So that's what public speaking lab I am on Instagram and everything like that.
0: That's amazing. I don't know
1: about you, but I'm... I'm sort of looking forward to going back to in person, but sort of also really enjoying being virtual as well.
0: <laughs> well, because a lot of people are comfortable, right? And oh, dude, yeah, I and it allows you to have more freedom to do and choose and yeah. go anywhere Absolutely. without any, you know, restrictions. Um, just like you, you kind of had a foresight to start teaching these courses. Like I started this agency 2013 virtual staff, like everyone. was amazing, amazing. So I already had so many years ahead of what just happened the last couple of years. And it didn't have any impact in my business. So for me, I'm very yeah. lucky and honored and grateful for all the things that unfolded. Um, and I look forward to
1: just ramping it up more, right? Because, you know, this is the future, really. So i want to ask you something then because this is this is i think is going to be interesting so in 2013 how did you find your virtual staff like well, how, did you, it was how did you like was it just craigslist yeah. like how did you do it no just no, be- no. Now know, it's all like- overseas yeah so, so
0: i was using all those you know different sites online um i forgot what they were really
1: because like-
0: all those you know global sites and i made so many mistakes i didn't even know how to hire I was, you know, at the beginning, it was all price. And then eventually, I, I hired a lot locally from relationships. I, I yeah, yeah. from previous uh, jobs. And so I've, I've learned a lot because I had to make mistakes. Um, you know, one, yeah. of
1: the, one of the things I always remember from Tim Ferriss is um, four-hour four work. Because yeah. he, he talked about virtuals. He was very prescient. I think he kind of, he almost spawned yeah. the whole like life hacking guru kind of stuff, right? Like the modern era of it. But I've never forgotten one of his lessons was about, because if you've never read the book gang, it's basically just a bunch of case studies with like some learnings at the end, but it's basically all case studies. But he says, if you ever hire a virtual assistant first, say like, ask them their rate, but then only commit to doing like one or two hours and then see what they do and then benchmark their progress. So like, you know, my first, first time I got a virtual assistant, I said, I need to get this done. And then they just said, it's done. And they gave me this number and I had no idea how long it took them. But now, every time I get a virtual assistant, I'm like, so listen, this is the rate, great. Can you please work for 30 minutes and let me know how much you've done? And then can you work for an hour? Okay, I want you to do this thing, but ch- after one hour, please stop and get give me your progress. Because then I, that helps me to benchmark how much I need to pay them. And it's really tedious at first, but then in the long run, you just, then you'd start trusting how much they can do. You set the benchmark. Did you oh, ever do that?
0: No, at the beginning, ah. I just... Did have time, right? And I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, you learn, right? And you really are looking for people that are, I guess, the same values as you, same culture, same understanding of what you want to perceive, right? In in your company. So for me, it was like the fit more than anything.
1: You know, and I I I think that it's so valiant. And anyone who's listening, because I'm I'm terrible at this, John. I am terrible at letting go. When you're an entrepreneur, like, it's like, this I can is do this. Is an-
0: that's right. That
1: yeah. <laughs> was great, man. Because you, you, you're like, I could do this better than anyone. I was the guy who was like, I, I, I wanted to edit a video. And they're like, it's going to cost this much. And I'm like, what? I'm just going to learn how to use Final Cut Pro and do it myself. Did I? Yes. Could those hours and hours of learning Final Cut Pro have been more efficiently spent? Yes. So one of the things I really, I can't recommend enough is letting go and having more and more virtual assistants. And who, not how. So you got to find more
0: people to do their expertise. Oh, dude. You really focus on what gives you the highest ticket value, right? Um, But that takes a lot of learning, right? You got to actually be an expert at whatever you're trying to sell to then charge it and back it up with case studies and Mm -hmm. social proof. So, Yvonne, this has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, I'm going to end it off with the final... Yeah, let me know. Like, so what's the best way for people to reach out to you? I'm going to yeah, share with everyone the show notes, but um, is there a social handle that people can reach out to you or email or whatnot?
1: Okay, let me do, let me give you two things one, my how to get a hold of me, and two, an inspirational quote because no, no business leadership thing is ever finished without an inspirational quote, good sir. So I'll give you both. Okay. Number one, public speaking loud. It's publicspeakinglab.com. It's Public Speaking Lab on LinkedIn. It's Public Speaking Lab on Instagram. And on Instagram, I post like two or three little one minute, like quick hacks. Here's a quick presentation hack. Here's a quick community. I'm constantly posting hacks and stuff like that. So Public Speaking Lab. Uh, the book is called And Boring. I try to think of a simple name. It's bright orange. Cause I, because if you know, maybe I've communicated this. I'm trying to change the world. I want people. To look forward to their next virtual meeting. It's an impossible task, John, but we're doing it. So, End Boring is the book. And so, that's how people can find me, get a hold of me, and I'll send you the links, whatever. Um, on my website is all my courses. Inspirational quote Get ready. You ready for this? Hold on, Super. let me make it dramatic. Let me do what all the motivational speakers do use silence and talk in this voice. No. Okay. So here's the quote that it's always like, it's just profound for me. People use the terms information and communication interchangeably, but they mean different things. Information is giving out. Communication is getting through. It's not about what you say. It's about what people remember. It's
0: true.
1: Great quote, Mm.
0: Yvonne dramatic pause yeah
1: good and with that thank you very much john it's been a pleasure um you i love your your love your passion and your energy and i just want to say uh, i'm humbled by you taking some time to speak to me some well, random dude for you. from mexico
0: yeah well you're you're originally from toronto so i respect that some random canadian guy. <laughs> canadian, we, that's awesome man whenever you're back hit me up um i really okay. appreciate your time Thank you for some great tips, wisdom. I know you're out for, you know, trying to change the world for the better. So I love that. Um, But I really appreciate you being on this episode. And for all the listeners, thank you once again.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.